This is a week three. We are doing a series called This Is Us. If this is your first time with us, we're doing a series called This Is Us. And the whole premise of this series is, man, if, if nothing else, you know, 2020 was a great year to kind of kick, step back and just say, okay, like what matters the most, right? And so what we're doing as a church is we're taking the first part of this year and we're saying, hey, who are we, right, as a church? Not, not just as the church, but as the gathering. Who are we? What marks us? What defines us? Are we going to cover everything? No, there's no way, right? But we've, um, in the first two weeks, we've talked about this. One, we are his. And, and I told you at the beginning of the year, that's the most important one. It does, now i got to be, I want to be very clear. It does not mean that if you attend the gathering, you're going to heaven. Okay, so when I say we are his, I think sometimes in, a, in, in the current state of the church, we all feel like, well, if I, you know, if I do my time, and listen, as a pastor who loves to preach to people, thanks for coming, right? I got, we don't take that lightly in, in, in the culture that we have. We take it, we're just blown away that people come. We love that. But I don't want you to hear me say we are his and think, oh, good. So, like, I don't really love Jesus, but I went to church with my mom, my dad, with whoever, with that, that girl I'm trying to, you know, start dating. And so I'm good. No, no, no. We're his because of Jesus, period. The Bible is very, very clear that we were sinners apart from God. He created us for fellowship with him. We jacked that up. And I know sometimes we're like, well, that was Adam and Eve. Yeah, but if you'd have been there, if I'd have been there, we'd have made the same choice, right? So we jacked that up. We were far from God. And, and at the gathering, we say this all the time, that God could have stood at a distance and shouted truth to you. But he came close to us in Jesus, right? Because he wanted to restore that fellowship. So when we say yes to Jesus, then we're his. And because we're his, he chose us for himself, and now we set ourselves apart. That week we talked a lot about holiness, y'all. That's not a bad word. Holiness is not the H word. I mean, it is an H word, but it's not the H word, right? So holiness is a good thing. And when we set ourselves apart for God as holy vessels, then he says he'll, he can use us. We're actually usable in the master's hands to do great things. So it's a wonderful thing. I told you that week, if you're not his, if you're not in Christ, you're going to get something out of this entire series, but it's going to be like life coaching. So I'm going to take you so far. But if you're his, everything we talk about beyond that point has eternal implications in your life, right? This is, we're talking about our destiny, our identity, okay? So we are his. Last week we, we talked about we are family. Showed you some really silly pictures about how crazy families are and aren't they? Crazy, right? I mean, families are all so unique. Hallelujah. This morning, I'm talking about one of my favorite things, y'all. We are generous. We are generous. So uh, there's John. Hey, everybody say, hey, John. Wave to us, John. John is our admin, um, and he, he puts together, like, he get, takes all the numbers, and he, like, whatever, whatever numbers people do, right? I'm not the numbers guy. He takes them, and he puts them in something like, I think it's called Excel, and he, like, pushes a magic button, and out they come. Is that how it works? No, it's not quite like that. It takes a little bit more work than that. But then he, he gives me the report, and then I get to be up here and share the good news with y'all. And so I just want to share with you uh, just a couple highlights from last year from our 2020 report. I'm going to start with this one. And if you're not, um, if you're not in, like, in part of church culture, this isn't going to sound like such a big win. But if you've been a part of church culture, you're going to hear me make this one statement. You're going to be like, 
dude, that's a huge win. Last year, we spent more money on missions and outreach than we did on the building. Right? Come on, y'all. See, you got that right away. That's huge. That's huge. More money in missions and outreach than we did on the building. Now, one of the reasons why we say that is because when we started the gathering, I said to everybody who would listen, we will never own a building. Did I say that, John? I think I said never. (laughs) You know, when you say never, God's like, dude, you're my son and an idiot, right? So, and what we learned was the longer that we went along, what we were really saying was not that we didn't want to own a building, but that we didn't want a building to own us. So we actually found that we were at one point like renting, leasing like almost half a block's worth of buildings. Y'all remember this? Remember um, parents, remember sending your kids out of the building to walk down outside the sidewalk into another building and then across the street from the bar? And we just found that we were spending, we were, we were owned more by the buildings that we didn't own than when we came into this place. But when we moved into here, we made a commitment that this building would not own us. And so when I say things like we spent more on missions and outreach than on this building, y'all, that's huge. Last year in 2020, in COVID, remember all this is in COVID, almost $1 out of every $5 that we spent went to missions and outreach, 18.2%. It's huge. That's huge. Um, what I love even more, <laughs> listen, that's 20 straight buildings that we weren't in the, 20 straight Sundays not in the building. What I love about this, check this out, just over $51,000 was given in missions and outreach by y'all, and 30000 of that was local. Now, that's important, okay, because you need to know this. Listen to this, um, this statement. Um, we love taking, we love loving this city. We take that as seriously as we do reaching the world. And we are not stepping over needs locally in order to feel needed globally. Break that down a second, right? A lot of people will spend a couple thousand dollars in one week to go to another part of the world to feel like a hero when they could be doing something locally and they aren't. Now, it's not either or, right? It's... What did Jesus say in Acts 1-8? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. It's all of the above. But we're not going to step over hurting people so that we can feel good about ourselves in another country. Right? We're going to start here, and we do. So out of that $30,000, let me just give you a couple of those highlights. Over $4,000 y'all gave in COVID relief. That's something we weren't, nobody budgeted for COVID, but it happened. And y'all stepped up and gave $4,000. We were delivering Food boxes like crazy. Almost $8,000 in the big give. Huge, y'all. We supplied food for 40 families every single month at East Albemarle Elementary School through backpacks. Once a month, we would have a group go down to the community table and prepare food for over 100 people every month. All of that, along with what we always do, which is provide alms and continued monthly support at the Care Cafe, Homes of Hope, the PRC, Esther House, Stanley Christian Ministries, Teen Challenge, and Will's Place. And that doesn't include what we'll never get credit for. And these are my favorite stats. I've been around pastors who love to go, well, let me tell you where we rank in world's missions. I don't really care about that stuff. I want to give in a way that we won't get credit. 
So what will never be included in our church's annual report is the fact that y'all stepped up. We had a goal to rescue 50 kids from three different countries through Compassion International, and we rescued 47. Here's what that means in dollars. It means that just over seven, just under $1,800 a month is being spent by this church to rescue kids around the world that we'll never see. It's over $21,000 a year that won't come to us because the church is generous. We are generous. Now, there's two reasons why I'm telling you all these stats, and I took a, little bit, a good bit of time. Oh, wow, I did. Took a good bit of time to share that with you, right? It's okay. It's okay. Let me tell you two reasons why. I'm going to tell you one reason now and one reason at the end. Here's the first reason why I share that with you. It's not because I'm bragging, okay? The number one reason I'm sharing that is because we're going to be spending our time this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, and I want you to see that you are literally causing that passage to come to life, okay? So as we go through that passage of Scripture, you're going to be like, all those stats that Paul shared at the beginning, holy cow, like, we're doing that. That's happening at the gathering, okay? So I want you to be encouraged as we go through this. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this like um, four sections at a time. I'll read a couple of verses, give you some feedback on it, give you some, point some stuff out, and then we'll just, does that make sense? We'll kind of get through it. So if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, let's read the first two verses Paul says this, there's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. By the way, this is not fair to Paul because he's much, this is like a pastor that says, um, I don't need to preach long, and then they preach long, right? He's like, I don't really need to write to you about this, I need to write to them about this, okay? I'll explain why in just a second. There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year in Achaia, that since last year you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Just quick context. The Corinthians had pledged a year ago, along with the Macedonians and some other churches, to take up a huge offering that would then be taken and given to to believers that were in need. Does that make sense? So there's, the, hey, next year we're going to take up this offering, and they all agreed, let's, it's a bit, it'll be great. And what Paul's saying to them is like, I don't really need to remind you about this, but I kind of need to remind you about this. Now, here's your big idea. For the child of God, giving is second nature. So when Paul says, I don't really need to write to you about giving, What he's saying is, if you're a child of God, giving is second nature. But Paul also recognizes that it takes practice to make second nature second nature, right? How many of you have thought about breathing today? None, right? Oh, oh, you have. So most of us, I mean, yeah, in in the COVID world, Most of us, like, there's things that we don't think about anymore. They really, truly are second nature. But there are also things that we do that are becoming second nature. Does that make sense? And so what Paul's saying here is, like, look, if you're a child of God, giving is second nature because your father gave. I mean, John 3.16, come on, we could all quote it. You don't have to. But we, we know that God so loved the world that he 
gave. He didn't think about it, maybe, possibly, and he didn't give a little. He gave everything, right? Paid a high price through his son for us. He gave, and so it's in our DNA, right? If we're his, then we're in the family, and if we're his and we're in the family, then we are generous. Giving is second nature if you're a child of God. It might not feel like it yet, but it is in your DNA, and developing that, of course, takes practice. So Paul's reminding them, and what I want you to see is in verse 2, he said, hey, look, you were eager, and I've told the Macedonians about how eager you were, and it says at the end of that verse that your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. First truth about generosity is that generosity is contagious. Somebody starts giving, and then you're like, Ooh, I want to be a part of that. You give, and then somebody else gives, and somebody else gives, and somebody else gives. And that's what Paul's saying. Like, you were eager, and I told the Macedonians about it. And they got eager. And now everybody's excited, right? Generosity is contagious. Here's your second point, verses 3 through 5. Um, anybody here a bullet journaler or a calendar planner person? This one's your point. Y'all going to love this one. You're going to love this point, okay? Yeah, here we go. Verses 3 through 5. But he said, look, I don't need to remind you about this because giving is second nature for the child of God. But I am sending the brothers. <laughs> I'm sending the brothers, y'all. In order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Verse 5, so I thought it was necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. That, that Greek word there for grudgingly given, it kind of has the flavor of extortion, extraction. Okay, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. You've probably been a part of some high-pressure offerings. I was joking with somebody a couple weeks ago that I went to a Christian concert um, way back. You won't even know this name, but there, it was um, Second Chapter of Acts. I think it's what their name was. Come on, right? Like Matthew Ward, he had the long, the long hair. Today's Matthew Ward is um, Brandon Lake, right? So, like, but he had the long hair. And at the concert, they took up an offering, and then the band came out and sang another song. And after that song was over, the organizer came out and said to everybody, yeah, we're going to take up another offering because we didn't get enough. I was like, I mean, that'll make me put my money way down in my pocket, right? <laughs> like way, way down. That's kind of what Paul's getting at here. Like in that moment, I was like, ooh, that just feels yikes. And Paul's like, I want you to be ready for this offering so you don't feel like I'm trying to extract it and extort it from you with pressure. So here's your second truth. Generosity is planned. And all of the type A checklist people said amen, right? There are times when all of us are moved in the moment and we give, and that's good. But you've got to know that the truth is that generosity is way more than just emotional. Generosity is planned. The practical side of giving is setting ourselves up to be able to give, so all of y'all are sitting here, all y'all budget people, you're trying so hard not to elbow the people next to you, right? I told you. I, I told you. I told, I told you. We're supposed to be budgeting that stuff. 
You're waiting to feel it from God. And he's like, budget, right? Um, you know, again, not bragging, just kind of being transparent with you guys. So our family, we, have, we, we rescued three children when compassion came. Um, because one, y'all already know this, I had to get a child from Burkina Faso, right? Because I had to have a BFF, right? Come on. Um, but also Peru, because we have a friend who's a missionary there. And then I went to the Dominican, and I just love that, that culture. So we, we rescued three. Um, you know why we were able to do three? Because well, y'all really love Jesus. Well, we do. But back in April when Compassion was supposed to come the first time and COVID nixed that, we had already started putting aside $38 a month. So, you know, whatever it was, six months later, we had money ready. Like We were like, let's do three. We had planned to be generous. Sometimes I think, y'all, if you're like a lot of people, you're in moments where you want to be generous, and you're like, but with what? And, and I'm going to say this like as lovingly as I know how. Well, with the money that you gave to, too much cable, channels you'll never watch, right? Maybe too long of a shower, maybe you didn't need that long, or maybe too big of a house, you, you, you don't need that. You're paying a lot of money to store stuff. I mean, like, none of those things are bad things, but if you really want to be used by God in generosity, then you're going to start looking at things in your life going, is that, like, do I really need that? Or could I use that money to, right? I, 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 y'all going to think I'm crazy, but Sydney's a, Sydney works at Highway 55, and she also works at Reservoir. So she works at a burger joint, and she works at a coffee shop. She's our daughter, right? And in our budget, I have a line item that says Sydney Tips. Not, not because Sydney tips, because I'm going to tip my daughter. And I put money in that because then when I show up, like, I went there, I went one time to the coffee shop, and um, y'all, you ever try to tip on that screen? You should definitely verify before you tip because I, I hit a bunch of buttons, and I was about to hit submit, and I realized I was going to tip her $200. <laughs> Did y'all hear Wendy? She was like, oh, my God. The, the tip, the Sydney tip. Budget item wasn't quite that full, right? So I was like, right before, I, but you know what? I walked away going, one of these days, right? One of these days, I'm going to, and it's like, well, all the time we're like, hey, can we get that person's check? We want to pay for that. We, we plan for that, y'all. We plan for it because we want to stay married. I mean, I hope that's not too practical for y'all, Right? Is it too practical? I don't know. But Paul's being practical. He's saying to this, if you don't start right now to get ready for what's coming, then when I show up, you're going to think I'm a really mean guy because I'm going to put some pressure on you to do what you said. So, so that you won't feel like I'm being a jerk, how about get ready? Because generosity is planned. Number three, generosity is proportional. That's a big word. It's on the screen so you can see how to spell it because I needed that help too. So verses 6 through 9 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you 
should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I've told you before, I have heard preachers say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take money from a grump. I don't believe that's true. I, I believe the heart of the Father is, he doesn't want your money if you're grumpy about giving it. So he's like, you keep your money, I'll keep my blessing, and I'll find somebody else. We're not extorting money from you. I don't know what your history is, but that, don't put that on us. It's not who we are. We are generous. We are not the mob. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So let's, let's break down those four verses. Generosity is proportional. Um, what proportional means basically, it, it'll make you feel like you're in math class, right? But what it means is um, corresponding in size or amount to something else, okay? So this in proportion to that. And so what Paul's saying is, hey, if you sow a little, then you're going to reap a little. It's proportional. If you sow a lot, then you're going to reap a lot, okay? So basically what God's saying is, the more generous we are, the more opportunities that we'll have to be generous because the more that we'll have to be generous with. Okay? Make sure we're all on the same page here. Verse 8. I love this. I want to make sure you get this because I'm going to say something in a minute that some of y'all are going to be like, eh, I don't know, man. Verse 8. I want you to see this. God is, he is he's able to bless what we give him. Okay? So proportional. Sow a little, reap a little. Sow a lot, reap a lot. Real talk. Living for our wants, and let's see that he, he's able to bless you so that you have all that you need. Check this out. Living for our wants can waste what God intended for our needs. So some of y'all are like, God's not been giving me what I need. No, he has. You blew it. You blew it on once, and now you don't have it for your needs. That's why you keep asking for help with things like a power bill. Like, okay, time out. Listen closely. I'm, a cha I'm, an, I'm an Enneagram 9, okay, so that felt yucky to me. Let me, let me clear it up. Everybody, especially this past year, is going to go through times when we don't have enough, right? But if we don't have enough because of circumstances beyond our control, then what we're reading right now is God's recipe for how the church helps in those areas. If we don't have enough because we played all the money away before we paid what we needed to pay, like, Dude, I'm just, I mean, it's just real talk, I know, but when you come and go, I need help, we're more likely to be like, wait, what? Can we look at your budget? Well, that's not really your place. Well, you invited us in because you're asking us to give you money. And we're happy to help you, but can we actually help you? That's what he's saying. I mean, I hope you're understanding generosity is proportional. So, that may be the reason why we we've so many never see this verse realized in their personal finances. And I want to make this absolutely clear. 
This passage is about money. So you can be spiritual and go, well, God wants to bless us in lots of ways. Sure he does, but he's asking the Corinthians to get their money ready for the offering. Okay? What does it look like when our generosity grows? And I love this. Verse 9. It's a weird verse. As it is written, there have been, they have been freely scattered their gifts to the poor. So um, how many of y'all remember when Oprah was like, and you get a car, and you get a car. You know, y'all remember, I didn't see it, but like everybody knows that, right? They're, it's memed everywhere. Like, and you get a car, and you get a car. This verse, this is the Oprah verse, right? If we, if we trust God with our finances, if we give and we sow, then he's going to give back to us in such a way that they scattered their gifts to the poor, y'all. I mean, in today's vernacular, it's... I mean, that's what that is, right? They made it rain to the poor, right? But in Oprah talk, it's like, and you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. And that's how we felt during the big give, right? And you get a power bill paid, and you get a power bill paid, and you get a power bill paid. Why? Because the people of God understood that giving is second nature for the child of God. And so when the children of God give, this is what happens, we give, and then we reap, and then what we reap, we just start throwing it out to the people that need it. They scattered their gifts to the poor. And I, I love, I, obviously, I really love that part. I'm not sure where y'all are, but I love that part. Like, I love being the pastor of a church that just scatters gifts to the poor. And I just shared the stats at the beginning. Did we do that last year? Uh-huh. It was awesome. The point I want you to really get out of this is whether you sow a little or you sow a lot, God brings the harvest. We do typically get caught up on the amount, like how much are you sowing, brother? I think we need to get caught up on the fact that whether we sow a little or a lot, God brings the harvest. And when we understand that God brings the harvest, it's probably going to make us want to sow a little more because we can trust the Father to take care of us. Not so we can get rich, right? Be greedy, have more for us. The whole point of this is, like, uh, I don't want more for me. I want more through me. That's the point of this passage. That takes us to the last one. So here's number four. Generosity points to God. Verses uh, 10 and 11 says this, Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I just happen to know this because, you know, Pastor Jay's one of our overseers. But that's the offering verse at the refuge. I'm pretty sure. Or that's what they say a lot. I hear it all the time. And then the next verse is our offering verse. It's, it's right there and it's in the back. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on how many occasions? Every and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What I want you to see out of those two verses, listen closely, and we'll wrap this up, is that when we live generous, at some point people are going to ask us two questions. Question number one, how are you able to be so generous? And verse 10 gave the answer, the Father supplied it. That's how we're able to be so generous. Well, the Father supplied it, and we just want to give it to you. And then they're going to ask you, but why? Why would you be so willing to be so generous? And verse 11 gives that answer, because the Father's glorified in it. So he supplies it, and that's how we're able to be generous. 
And he's glorified when we're generous, and that's why we're generous. Generosity literally is a miracle of grace. So Paul even, we we don't have time to do all of chapter 8, but in chapter 8, verse 7, Paul actually said to this same group in in the Corinth church, he said, excel in the grace of giving, right? I, t- I told you this uh, last year, we did a, we don't do series on finances. I don't know if we should or shouldn't. I'm not sure what good pastors do, but we just try to talk about, about being stewards all the time, right? Like <laughs> resources. He's always going to give us resources. We should be stewards with it. But last year, we did a whole series um, called Dollars and Cents, and I told you then, man, if you're still asking God about percentages, you've missed the whole point. Exactly. Is that 10% on the, on the net or the gross? You've missed the whole point. It's just generosity. It's the grace of giving. We can't take credit for any of it, but we are supposed to be part of it. Generosity is who we are. So for the child of God, again, giving is second nature. Now, we're going to wrap this up with some practical thoughts, okay? I told you there were two reasons I, I wanted you to um, know how generous we'd been. The first was, I hope you saw as we went through that passage, did you find yourself not in a prideful way kind of going, wow, I'm seeing that happening, right? As your pastor, when I read 2 Corinthians 9, I think I see this at the gathering. I see it in y'all. We're doing, we're doing this. It's a miracle, and it's amazing. But here's the second reason that I want you to see all the things that our church did last year. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Um, Don't get mad when I make this statement. But some of us had very little to do with the statistics I shared at the beginning of the sermon. Some of you have been along for the ride and haven't chipped in any gas money. Don't, you, don't those people drive you nuts? <laughs> like, you, you drove them all over the place, and then they just, like, got out and never offered to help you with the gas? Those are people that come to a church and never give. Now, I recognize you may never come back, and I'm okay with that because it's time for the children of God to grow up. It's my job to provoke you, is what that word actually means, to spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Spurring is not fun, right? Spurring is like when you get on a horse and go, and that spur hits him and the horse goes, that felt great, right? That's not what they do. They try to bite you, right? They they do evil things. They become demon-possessed in that moment, right? So, like, if we're, it literally means to provoke people, towards good works, and I want to provoke you. I want you, I want you to see what God is able to do when people say, I'll be generous because it's in my nature. I'll give because I'm a child of God. And, and all that happened last year in 2020, and last year's not the first time. That's not an atypical year for us. That's a typical year for us. It's been happening for 10 years, y'all. Because what God is able to do is take what's given And he's able to bless that and return more so that more can be given. So if you haven't been a part of this in the giving aspect, I'm praying that our generosity will be contagious and it will provoke you to good works. One of the things that I wasn't quite sure if I should share or not, but I will, is 
Whoever sows a little reaps a little. Whoever sows a lot reaps a lot. It's all about what you do with what you have. It's all about knowing who you are. And I will tell you this, that our church does more with less than any church I know. As a matter of fact, in this passage, we're not the Corinthian church. We're the Macedonian church. Because the Macedonian church had nothing and yet gave more. We are the same size as a couple of churches in our area, numerically, and our budget is about a third of what theirs is. It's not because, I don't think it's because you don't want to give. I think it's because the people that we're reaching are giving what they can give. And what I want you to know is that God is always faithful. He's always been faithful. He'll continue to be faithful. All the things that we shared at the beginning are going to happen in 2021 and more because he's always faithful to give what we need so that we can be generous. Practical ways that you can do this, okay, back to the um, bullet journalers and calendar people, right? The big give happens every December. Everybody say every. Every December. Literally, it is January. We encourage people to give $25 a person. If you were to start saving now as one person to be prepared to give $25 in December, I think you're looking at about 78 cents a month. Or maybe it's $2 a month. Would that be right? See how I looked at John? (laughs) See why I'm not in charge of the money? (laughs) Like, dude, you're really bad with money and math. We're going to keep that as far away from you as possible. (laughs) John's going, Paul's really set up a miracle here. This is going to be great. $2 a month or $3, whatever it is, right? You can do this, y'all. You can do this. It happens every December. I'll give you this. Um, If you haven't yet started giving in a regular way, I would would just encourage you to develop the habit of using your paycheck as a reminder. You use it to remind you of everything else. Do you know which day people eat out on the most? Payday. You know why? We got money. That is taking you out, right? Because the paycheck reminded you, oh, it got direct deposited today. So use it as a reminder to give. Uh, right, first, I'm getting there, but I'm trying to be, anyway, we get it. We're going, here we go. I got to stop. Y'all going to run out soon. All right. Are you good? I'm almost done. Okay. I've, I've, I've become long-winded. God help me. Okay. Here's the third tip. Determine where you'll start. Now, can you give me some grace here? I hope so. You've already been doing it. So, Let me rephrase. I'm taking grace whether you give it or not. Here we go. I need to tell you this, that I believe with all my heart that tithing is legit. Okay? Now, I also know that you can go home and Google that and find people who love Jesus that will tell you that tithing is old, it's gone, it's passed away. And, and I would agree with them if Jesus hadn't looked at the Pharisees in the New Testament and said, you've been doing this without doing that, but you should be doing that and this. Okay? So I don't personally believe as a New Testament believer that the tithe is gone. Okay? 
I do believe as a New Testament believer that the tithe is the starting point. That Jesus actually said, um, well, you're right. It's not 10%. I want all of it. <laughs> Nobody preaches that, right? I'm also going to be practical with you. And based on this passage that we just read, can I just give you this to think about? I believe that if you'll determine where you'll start, you will see such blessing in your life that as your, as your trust in the faithfulness of the Father grows, your giving will also grow. So, sow a little, reap a little. Sow a lot, reap a lot. If you haven't been sowing anything at all, determine where you'll start. Determine. Just say to God, you know what? I know, I know what Paul said, and I know what the Bible says. And I think I actually last year, I think I told you one time that if people are given like 1%, that's actually 9% disobedience. <laughs> that's a hard word, y'all. But grace giving means there's grace in it. And God's after the heart, not the wallet. So if you've yet to start, can I just encourage you with this? This year in 2021, determine God. Okay, I'm going to use my paycheck as a reminder, and every time that paycheck goes in my bank account, I'm choosing to give to the gathering, not your best friend who has needs, but to the gathering because 2 Corinthians 9-11 says so that your generosity through us will result in praise to God. You bring that to the house, and do you know why you can bring that to the house? Because I already told you what the house does with it. The house gives it away. So determine what you'll give. If it's 1%, give 1%. And God's going to, he, he will give you a harvest. It, will be a, it might be a 1% harvest. I don't know. But you'll, he'll, he will prove himself faithful, and then you'll continue to give. Continue to give. Now, last thing, and then one verse, and I'm going to pray. Most pastors only talk about money when they need money. So I want to be very, very clear. We need money. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was so fun. I mean, Johnson, Johnson back going, well, of course we do. Hey, look, we always need money. Churches always need money. Can I tell you something about, and we're not having a financial crisis. We're in a good place. But do you know that churches that are generous, they have multiple financial crises a year. Do you know why? They give it away. Like, when did not having a problem with money become the standard? Y'all, are you kidding me? There's faith, right, involved. And so the reason we encourage you is because we want God to be able to bless you. Because the more he blesses you, Proverbs eleven twenty four. check this out. One gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. So if this is where you are, You've got to learn to open your hand, not just because God wants to pull stuff out, but he wants to put stuff in your hand so that you can give more away, right? So I'm going to challenge you in 2021. Just figure out where you're going to start. If you're already giving, figure out what you're going to do next, right? Are you, are you going to increase that, stay the same? I don't know. It's up to you. What I do know is this, that what, what comes into this house Man, God enables us to do amazing things with it. You know why that is? Because it's who we are. We're generous. We sit in staff meetings, and we hear of needs, and we just go, well, can we do it? 
John's like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it. Because what else would we say? You see a need, you meet it. It's who we are. It's in our DNA. And if you're a part of the gathering, you're a part of a house that's generous. And we want you to be a part of that as well. We want you to decide, let the planner in the house be in charge, and determine what you'll do, where you'll start. Right? When I was growing up, you no, know, I pray, I was a Methodist. Yay, Methodist, right? And um, Methodist would, I can't remember now what they called it, but at the beginning of the year, like everybody, didn't everybody fill out what they were going to give that year? I want to say that my parents did that. It was a pledge, yeah. So then I became, a, became Pentecostal, and they, they don't have pledges because we're moved by the Spirit. Except we did do faith promises, remember? Like, it's crazy. And I used to always look at all that stuff and go, that is so not of God. And then I read this. I mean, I literally told Wendy that. I read this this week and went, holy cow, it's right, it's right there. Like Paul told them, you got a year to get ready. So determine what you'll give and set it aside. Determine what you'll give and set it aside. Maybe not all at one time, but when your paycheck comes, set it aside. My first will be to God. And then he'll bless the rest. All right, let's pray. I've kept you long enough. You've been so good. Thanks, Father, for... Um, just what you've done through this house. Um, God, I just am blown away always at how you take what we have and you just, I believe your Holy Spirit, you just blow on it and it just multiplies, God. And, and it does so much in the city. God, so many families um, are touched. And I, I'm thinking about the, the lady that, that this just last week sent an email just telling me how the big give blessed her daughter and that when she had nominated her daughter for power, her daughter's husband had not even been laid off. But when the bill was paid, he had been. God, you're in charge of all of this. You're writing stories everywhere, and we're honored to be a part of it. So I just pray over this house, God, over this 9 o'clock service, that, that we would be who we are. We are generous. We are of your DNA. You gave and so do we. And as we do it, Lord, I'm just praying that you would be who you've always been, faithful to provide, God, a harvest when we sow. And when we sow in generosity, we're going to reap the same. And the cycle's just going to grow and grow and grow. And I thank you, Lord, for how faithful you are in all of this, God. Speak to us, Lord, as we seek you about what you'd have us do in 2021 in this house, God. In your name, Jesus, amen.